This podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. Nerd Wallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hi, everyone. I'm Kitty Couric, and this is Next Question. You know, if you've been watching TV lately, you've probably noticed that Gene Smart is having a moment. Or, as The New Yorker put it, we seem to be in the midst of a full-blown genocide. Here's the thing about me, Sister Knight. I eat good guys for breakfast. This all might be news to Jean herself, since she's been working steadily for more than four decades. After starting out as a stage actress in New York, she got her first big TV role as Charlene Frazier Stillfield on the 1980s sitcom Designing Women. Happy birthday to me. Standout performances followed in shows like 24. It looks like a wedding cake. <gasps> Frazier. Get off your ass and get a pen! <laughs> no, not you, not you, not you. Samantha Who. We'll play that game where you get guess what people guess what you're thinking without saying any words. You mean charades? Shh, I said no words. And Fargo. The point is, don't assume just because I'm an old woman that my back is weak and my stomach's not strong. But it was her recent one-two punch as washed-up Las Vegas comedian Deborah Vance on the HBO Max series Hacks. The gig's a gig, honey. And as Kate Winslet's mother, Helen Fahey, and mayor of Easttown, that has finally awakened the world to the genius that is Jean. I, I, I don't know what the hell to say. Oh, wait, it just came to me. That was stupid. I recently got the chance to talk to her about her long career, what it feels like to experience a resurgence of attention at <clears throat> 70, the sudden loss of her husband of more than 30 years, fellow actor Richard Gilliland, and the upcoming second season of Hacks, which, by the way, I loved. Hi, Jean. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. 
you are doing a uh, the proverbial junket when you talk to what scores of annoying interviewers like me. <laughs> and I feel so bad because I've been subjected to the round robin of a junket myself. And you start wanting to make up stories and you just are you you're so bored with yourself by the entirely sound your own voice. Right? No, it's it's everybody's been so nice. And the, the thing that's been really gratifying is that so far, everybody who has seen some episodes of season two that got a sneak peek have have just loved it because you know season two you you want to you have something to prove. You know? Well, that's I was going to ask you about that. It's sort of like you don't want to be a one hit wonder, you know, or that novelist who's got a number one on the New York Times bestseller list and is paralyzed when it comes to writing a second. Yes. Um, how much pressure was it for you all going into the season two after season one was so uh, well received? Oh, it it. um of course, most of the pressure was on the writers, <laughs> but uh, no, I, you definitely feel like people are going to be gunning for you, you know, to say, oh, yeah, just try and make me laugh. <laughs> but um, uh, when I started reading the scripts for season two, I just thought, wow, they've, they've, they've done it again. It's just um, it was wonderful. Why do you think the characters in this show are so uh, fun to write for? Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, Jen and Paul and Lucia have been living with this idea of this character, this woman, Deborah, for seven years. Thank God they didn't have it made seven years ago because I would not have been at the top of the list, probably. So I'm grateful that it, that uh, they just percolated on it for a long time. But they, they when they said when they pitched the show to, to HBO, they basically told them like five years of the story. I haven't even asked them where they see this, this going, but they, uh, I, I love the little tiny weird details about characters they put in the little idiosyncratic things. And especially in season two, they've really fleshed out all the ensemble, all the supporting characters to have more to do. And it's so much fun to watch them because they're all a little demented, even my housekeeper. They are, but they're all so funny and there's something so real about them, right? Because they're so multidimensional. I think each and every one of them. You Absolutely. see them being funny. You see them being sad. You see their, you know, their regrets and longing. You see them trying to find themselves still after all these years, right? And yep. I think as a result of that richness, so many people relate to it. When you first got the script, did you just eat it up, Jean? Did you just say, I have got to have this role? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, in fact, I was so, I was, <laughs> I've never said this before, but I, I walked into the room with the producers and I said, um, because my agent called me and sent me the script. He said, they, they're, they want you to do this script. And I, I just couldn't believe how great it was. And I walked in the room and I said, you're right. I'm absolutely perfect for this. <laughs> um, you should hire me. Um, but no, it, it, it ticked off every box. I mean, if I could have described my, what I hoped my next project would be, it just had everything. It just had everything. What, when you say everything? What I mean, it mean? had, it had, the, it had the humor. It had the intelligence. It had the pathos. It had offbeat 
fun stuff. I mean, it had Vegas, it had sequins, Katie, <laughs> and leopard print. I mean, it was like, and martinis. I mean, how could I say no? It has that weird mother-daughter dynamic, which to me is is also so fun and actually at times painful to watch because, you know, they're just so different. And they yeah. really have a they really have a difficult time connecting. And and that's why I think there's also kind of a another mother daughter relationship that's part of the show. Right. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely think you're absolutely right. And, you know, Caitlin Olson is so amazing as DJ. And when you find out that DJ actually stands for Deborah Jr., it's like, oh, no, are you kidding me? She actually named her Deborah Jr. Kind of like George Foreman, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I mean, Caitlin is so amazing. She says, I know she says, it's like I'm a 16-year-old trapped in a 40-year-old body. But but it's sad, too, because, you know, as a parent, I'm sure... You know, you, you feel like you never get it right. You do too much or you do too little or you, you know, and and Deborah feels like I just wanted you to be with me. And and her daughter sees it as you dragged me to all these horrible places with horrible people. And when I was a kid and, you know, and I think it's particularly complicated when you have a mom, which I can relate to in the public eye in terms oh, yeah. of a daughter, a uh, you know, and I have two daughters establishing their own identity. I'm wondering if 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 this resonated with Eugene um, in terms of your own kids. No, absolutely. I think I think I think it must be. I mean, I have no idea, but it must be very hard to have a, a kind of a famous parent. Um, I remember when my oldest was young, if I would be out in public and people would ask for an autograph or something, I would if I was with him, I would try to just really nicely say, I'm so sorry. I hope you don't mind if I say no, I'm just, I'm just mom today. You know, I'm just mom right now. And people were always very nice about it. And this happened several times. And finally my, my son looked at me and he said, no, mom, it's okay. It's okay. You can sign it. It, it just means they really like you. You know? So that was really sweet. And then my, my, my youngest, he didn't like it when he never wanted to watch me in anything. It, I think it made him, it seemed creepy to him to see his mother pretending to be somebody else and looking kind of different. And he didn't like it if I'd come home with all the hair and the makeup and everything. He 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 just wanted me to just, you know, just be mom. So they don't seem any worse for the wear in terms of you being in a high, you know, in high profile jobs or having a mom who was on TV or in movies. Well, uh, I I don't know. I I. I, I'm sure I just try to tell myself that if they have any issues, it's not because of me. <laughs> and it's between them and their therapist. Exactly. More with the very smart Gene Smart after this break. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Well, let's talk about sort of the, the whole ensemble cast. I think, obviously, Hannah Einbinder is is a a revelation she really is wonderful in the role and provides such a great contrast to to deborah's character tell me a little bit about working with hannah and where she came from because she just seems to have exploded onto the scene gene yes i know apparently our producers were fans of her comedy because paul downs is also a stand-up comic who plays my manager jimmy so brilliantly um, but so they had her on the list of girls to audition. And I guess a lot of actresses read. <clears throat> and then they brought me in to do what they call, you know, a chemistry read for the last handful of, of young women. And uh, so I watched some of Hannah's uh, stand up on, online. And I just was taken with how she seemed so confident on stage. And she, but she was very kind of quirky and, I'd never seen anybody do a routine quite like what she was doing. And I just thought she was amazing because she took her time and everything was very small. And it was just, I just thought she was hilarious. And uh, I actually called her the night before our audition just to introduce myself. And I think I called two of the girls. I didn't call all of them. feel bad. <laughs> but um I just wanted to put them at ease a little bit, you know, because that's always weird to be in that position. And plus we had to meet. It was like something out of a spy movie. We met in this huge, dark, dark, empty soundstage with one light bulb on a stand. You know, like you're going to be interrogated and tortured, right? You know, and two straight back chairs about 20 feet apart. Sounds very off, off Broadway. Yes. <laughs> Through plexiglass, you know. Because of COVID? Yes. It was insane. So I'm glad that we had chit-chatted on the phone a little bit, but but she was great. She was great. And she was definitely my my first choice. And I was glad they l- at least let me have some input. And luckily they they agreed with me. And after we'd been working together about two weeks, she was she was still. She was still in awe of me back then, but that's completely gone. Um, she she came up to me and she said, I just really wanted to thank you because, you know, I heard that you really went to bat for me with the producers. And I said, I did. I said, you were absolutely my first choice. I said, in fact, I told them that if they didn't hire you, I wasn't going to do the show. And she said, really? I said, no. What are you, nuts? <laughs> I'm nice, but not that nice. I hesitated for just a second before I said, should I say this? Is this too mean? Nah, she's a comedian. She can take it. And I remember we ran into each other at the Vanity Fair Oscar dinner, which was 
kind of interesting. But um, I remember you telling me about her background and her mom. Can you share with everybody sort of because when I heard that, I was like, are you kidding me? Yes. Speaking of kids growing up with famous parents, her mom is Lorraine Newman. From SNL fame. Fabulous SNL comedian. And uh, so it was kind of in her blood. And she started doing stand-up in college. And she's been doing it ever since. And she, her boyfriend is also a successful stand-up comic. He's got a show in New York right now that's been, they keep renewing it and renewing it and renewing it. And he's very funny. Very nice. Very nice guy. And it must be nice for you, Gene, as somebody who's who's been around for a while to see to see this this kind of a breakthrough role for this young woman. It must be really exciting to watch and wait. Oh, it is. Absolutely. I mean, I'm so happy for her and and I won't insist on my five percent, but, you know, (laughs) but um, no. And it's she said it's really, you know, changed things for her, you know, and, and, uh, she said, she thinks it's made her a better comic. And, but you know what? It's true. It's true about singers too, to be a really good stand-up comic. And I also think to be a really good singer, you have to really be an actor, you know, you have to act your material. So I don't, I don't think it's, you know, surprising that, that, you know, she's as good as she is. She's just so, she's just so natural. Um, I can't believe it's really her first role. Little <laughs> Meanwhile, I mean, you're amazing in it, Jean. And it's so, you know, for me, somebody who's watched you my whole life and cheered you on in all the iterations that you've been in. Um, it's just been it was it was so exciting for me as a fan. And I'm sure for you as the the lucky recipient of these roles to have this incredible year. You know, I I. I, I don't want to bore you with the genesis and all that jazz and, you know, the New Yorker writing Gene Smart never went anywhere, which is true. But having said that, it was a pretty great year for you because you had Hacks, which was awesome and continues, obviously, in season two to be awesome. But you had Mayor of Easttown. And I, I know that you have said the fact that these two shows came on simultaneously is one of the reasons that people really stood up and took notice of your performances because it was such a study in contrast i mean to say the least yeah no and i meant that because you know there are so many brilliant actors out there who never get the credit for for what they do and i was very fortunate that i had two amazing roles that were so incredibly different in two beautifully written projects high profile, uh, like back to back. And so people had a chance to sort of compare, you know, and look. And, but, you know, it's true. Most actors, even even the, the 3% of the actors union that actually makes a living at acting, 3%, even among those lucky people, there's very few of them to whoever really get the chance to do to show what they can really do. Because unlike any other art form, you kind of have to wait for someone to invite you to do what you do and to give you the opportunity. And unlike being a writer or a painter or a dancer, I mean, you can you can do all those things on your own. Whether or not you're gonna get paid, that's another matter, but you can at least do them. You can practice them. You can 
Express yourself. Yes, you can't really do that as an actor. I, I suppose, yes, you could put together a one-woman show or something, but it's um, you have to be invited to do what, what you want to do. And I think it's interesting when you were, when you're called versatile, I never thought of this because basically you said, uh, well, that's what I'm, that's what I do, right? I mean, that that, our job is <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but having said that, it must have been fun for you to play two such different characters. Um, Mare's mom, who was a total pisser. I guess that's what they might say in, in Delco. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you obviously are playing Deborah Vance, who's a completely I mean, talk about a completely different kind of woman. How, I mean, did you ever get them confused or how was that shooting? <laughs> no, they, they were just, again, so, so well-defined. And, and in both cases, I was working with such amazing group of actors. Um, amazing actors. And I, I think in both shows, I mean, what a gift that must be. And, you know, I, I interviewed Kate Winslet for mayor of East town. And I did her first television interview when she was in Titanic. Yes. Oh, maybe wait. No, sorry. I think it was sense and sensibility. And she was so (gasps) lovely because I think that predated Titanic. And um, you all must have gotten on famously. I hope that's a yes. We did. She has invited us to London. I hope we get to go. Um, Oh, she's such a doll. She, she, (laughs) She called me the other day because she found out about the star on the Walk of Fame and and she was doing her alter ego, whose name is Hortensia. She goes, darling, it's Hortensia. No one told me about your star, the bastards. I just sent you something marvelous. <laughs> and when did that happen, your star? Uh, last week. And, and uh, what was that like? I was nervous for some reason. I was really, really nervous. I don't know what what that was. I don't usually get nervous, but um, but it was very nice. Um, my friend Joe Montaigne spoke, and and Hannah spoke. She was hilarious. Um, she started <laughs> she started saying things like, you know, Jean, you know, I just I love you so much, and I'm so happy for you, and you know, and every day being with you has been. You know, such a joy. I wake up in the morning and I, I, I look in your eyes, and, and then she says, "Wait a second, oh, I'm sorry, I lost, I lost my place. I lost my." And I, I thought she really had lost her place, and she said, "What? What? Is, oh God, I'm sorry." Um, and she holds up this folder with her. She goes, "I, I, I switched folders," and she holds up this folder. It says, "Wedding vows." <laughs> ridiculous but linda bloodworth thomason who wrote designing women was actually going to speak but unfortunately she got covid oh she was just heart sick about it and so joe very nicely wrote this beautiful speech that i could not have paid someone to write um that linda had written oh it's really nice more with jean jean the comedy machine right after this The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. 
That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Well, I, of course, I have to ask you a couple questions about designing women, Gene. Uh, and, you know, again... That was a very formative show for me just at at the same time Murphy Brown was. And it was one of the first shows that really showed the lives of working women. And I mean, what are your most vivid memories and why do you think that show was such a hit? I think it was a combination of Linda's really unusual writing because unlike any other sitcom I had ever seen, she would give us page long speeches, um, which is just unheard of in a sitcom. And sometimes she'd rewrite them right before the audience came in and be like, oh, God. And uh, we said, you know, she's lucky she's got four actresses who are like word processors. We just tried to churn it out. But um, it was first time you'd seen just basically just women, with the exception of our darling Meshach Taylor, just women and working women. Um, single women, uh, and also Southern women. Southern characters were usually depicted in a very one or two dimensional way. Um, so that was fun. Although at the first table read for the studio and all the suits, uh, everybody was happy. Everybody loved it. And then we were talking to Linda and Harry and they said, but they, they don't want you guys to do Southern accents, but they love the show. What? That, that was what I said. I was like, no, 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 don't say that, you know? And I was the only Yankee in the bunch, you know? I was the only one. Put, and I thought, you can't just take away the accent. It's not the same person. An accent is part of a person, every part of them. And did you say and it, it's, it's in Atlanta, folks? Thank you. They were afraid that people would not understand what we were saying. So anyway, we kind of softened them. We tried to be more careful the first towards the beginning, but then they finally just kind of never said anything else. And we just did them full out. It was like, oh my God, I can't imagine what the show would have been like if we'd all sounded like we came from, you know, Chicago or something. Well, one of the reasons I love designing women is not only were you all quote unquote steel magnolias, but it was quite political. And of course, Linda, longtime friend of the Clintons, um, had a lot of very strong feminist messaging in that show. So beneath sort of the pretty exterior, uh, they were 
very strong, very tough, and quite political, uh, especially I think Dixie Carter's character. Yes. It was it was it was really Dixie and Annie's characters because Delta and Delta's characters, Suzanne and me, Charlene, we were rather woefully um, unenlightened. Right. But you provided, I think, feminism or anything like that. Yeah. Yes. Right. Which was good. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been real if we'd all been on the same page. But it was funny because uh, we were all Democrats except for Dixie. And Dixie was the one who had the long liberal rants. And she'd say, okay, Linda, she says, but for every one of these, I get to sing a song. You know, so she bartered with them. No. And and Dixie was the, the loveliest person. I still miss her dearly. I know. I was so, so sad. She um I she she died when she was just 70 of endometrial cancer. And um, of course, married to the legend. Oh my God, Hal Holbrook. Darling Hal. I mean, and, and we got married. Richard and I got married in, in their rose garden. Aw, that must have been beautiful. It was a real where, southern-looking white colonial. Where was their rose garden? Where in Bel Air? In Bel Air. And, and um, also, uh, my sister. I think Dixie died. I think in. March or April of 2010. Right. And my sister had died at the age of 61 in January oh. of 2010. So it was a, and then my best friend died in August. It oh was gosh. Awful. Terrible year. Terrible. How did your sister die? She had brain, brain cancer, glioblastoma. Oh, that is a very tough. My sister also, I have two sisters. My oldest sister uh, died of pancreatic cancer and oh, uh, sorry. it's just it's just uh, you know excruciating to say the least well since we're on the that subject you know you and I are both widows I lost my exactly. husband when I was 41 to colorectal cancer and I know. you lost Richard uh, very recently um, and 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 very suddenly you had met on the set of Designing Women. He was in, in the show. That's probably my favorite memory of the show. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. It must have been something to fall in love with your, you know, your fellow cast member. But um, tell me a little bit about him because I looked him up, you know, in preparing for this interview. And of course I recognized him. Yes. And he had such a nice face. He looked like such a kind, decent, low-key person. And tell me, tell me a little bit about him. Well, I don't know if he was low key, but he was very kind and decent. <laughs> he, was, he was hilarious. I don't know. Maybe I think of low key just sort of. Um, maybe that's the wrong word. But he He looked easy to be with. He, Is some that of right? His characters were like that. Yes, but he, yeah. he was. Uh, he was a. I, I was. He was fast paced kind of person. You know, it's like I said, your dad. My kids. I say your dad does everything fast with me. Just thinks faster, <laughs> talks faster, or he sleeps faster, <laughs> breathes faster. But um, yeah, no. I mean, what a sweet man. And and you know, we we were never apart after the day we met on the set. He, you know, I. Uh, I don't know. I remember I saw him and. I just thought, wow, who's that? I love like, his little laugh lines around his eyes and his hands. And I don't know. He just had the greatest. He was talking to me, the greatest smile on his face. And we were in this building on this on the Warner Brothers lot and where a few shows would do their table reads. And 
things. And, and I thought, oh, I wonder if he's going to be on our show. And lo and behold, there he was sitting across the table from me. And it was episode five. We hadn't even gone on the air yet. We hadn't even aired the show ever yet. And it was episode five. And he was playing. He came on to play Annie's boyfriend. And um, I I just, I don't know. I've never been so aggressive. I mean, I, you know, I, I invited him into my trailer to help me with a crossword puzzle. And, and um, we started talking on the phone every night. You know, we lived like 15 minutes apart. We'd talk on the phone for two hours every night. And he invited me to see this play he was doing. And and it we were never apart from that day. And how many years were you all married? Uh, 34. 34 years. Well, you had an incredible life together, but it's yeah. it's never long enough. And he was he was very young. And, and our young, was, yeah, he was only 71. And our youngest was only 12 when he died. Oh, which is really hard, you know, especially for boys. Yeah. to lose their dads. Um, and how are the boys doing? They're, they're doing, in a way they did better. They were doing better than me, but I think that it's, um, my youngest especially keeps things inside kind of, you know. Yeah. It, it comes, you know how it is. You know exactly what it is. It comes in waves, you know. Um, and there'll be one, you think you're doing fine and then there'll, you'll, you'll see something or hear something or read something and it just kind of washes over you again, you know. Um, it still seems unreal. Sometimes it's been just over a year. I can't believe it. It feels like it's been maybe a few months. Yeah. I haven't been able to go out to his office and do anything with this stuff. Well, it took me a long time to do that. And uh, it, it does give me some comfort. Obvious, you know, you had quite a love affair, the two of you. And and I wrote about this in my book, Gene, and it, it sounds sort of probably cheesy, but but when I, when I was so upset when my mom died, you know, so upset when, you know, my husband died and my sister and my dad, I was obviously incredibly close to all of them, but my minister said, you know, those who, who love deeply, grieve deeply. Yeah. And, and it turned it, from sadness to to gratitude in a weird way, you no, know? It's true that you actually had the opportunity to grieve a relationship like that. Right, that and to have that kind of love. Yeah. yeah. I read that you had to do that funeral scene shortly after Richard died, which must have been very surreal. Um, it was. That, that one, I was scared. I, I remember, I'll be perfectly honest, I... I um, I, I took a little pill because I was starting to hyperventilate and I thought I wasn't going to make it through the day, but uh, it turned out to be a, a, a great scene and a fun scene. And, and uh, you know, but yeah, they, they, they gave me a choice. I could either come back to work and just knock all the last five days out, or I could take a couple of weeks off and then do it, or I could spread it out over a couple of weeks. They, they were so kind. And I said, no, I just, I want to, I want to, I was still in shock. So in a way it was easier. So I just said, no, no, no. I just want to, I want to get it done and get back to my kids and my, my house and <clears throat> excuse me. So that's, that's what I did. It probably was helpful ultimately. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss, Jean. And, yeah. uh, Thank you. and I thought about you a lot when I, heard the news and um but I'm also so so happy uh, about your success 
Mm. And um, it's just such a thrill to see you kicking ass. And <laughs> I also think it's great for women of a certain age. You know, you're, I, I'm, I'm about your age to see, oh. you know, to see us represented and to see us have these big, meaty roles that convey a, a, a person in full. No, absolutely. I, I'm eternally grateful. I still am amazed some days that the roles I've been getting, especially the last, you know, five or six years, um, I, I didn't, had no idea it would work out that way. You can see Jean right now in Hacks Season 2 on HBO Max. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are me, Katie Couric, and Courtney Litz. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen, associate producers Derek Clements and Adriana Fazio. The show is edited and mixed by Derek Clements. For more information about today's episode or to sign up for my morning newsletter, Wake Up Call, go to katiecouric.com. You can also find me at Katie Couric on Instagram and all my social media channels. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.